Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for August 11th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. We have an absolute phenomenal episode lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about the CFL. My boy Jim comes on. We break down every game of Week 10, tell you the bets we are going to lock in. Nick is going to talk fantasy football. We're going to be previewing the New York Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars and Minnesota Vikings and my boy Brandon and I are going to talk some NASCAR tell you what best to lock in for the NASCAR so like I said we have an absolutely phenomenal show lined up for you today but before we get into all that I need to talk about this goddamn fucking college football realignment the Pac-12 is gone I mean the Pac-12 the conference of champions is fucking gone we have USC coming out east to be in the Big Ten, along with Oregon, along with Washington, along with UCLA. And take it from me, someone that played college sports, this is going to be a fucking bitch. This is going to be a fucking bitch for the student athletes. And I really don't think people understand that you're traveling, you have the high demands of high-level sports, and you have academics. Because the reality of the situation is, I know everyone thinks, hey, you know, look, I'm going to be playing pro sports. Hey, I have a chance to make in the league. I don't mean to be a dick, but you don't. You don't. Like, 1% of those fucking kids are going to be playing in the league. They need that college education. They need that piece of paper when they walk out the door to get themselves set up for life. And this is just going to do nothing but fucking add stress to these guys when they're out there and they're trying to perform. Because think about it. Let's say you're USC, softball, baseball, one of the second tiers. I hate using the term second tier sports, but any sport besides... Let's face it, basketball or football. So you go out there. If you're on the track team, tennis team, baseball team, softball team, whatever, what do you do? Do you just go Minnesota, come down, go to Wisconsin, go to Northwestern, go to Indiana? You're going to have to knock out like a four, five-day trip where you're just playing out multiple schools. That's what they're going to have to do because they're not going to be able to fly back and forth because it's just going to get way too much money. And now you have... Washington State, Washington State, they're fucking getting screwed. What the fuck are you going to do with your Washington State? You put all this trust in the Pac-12. You made all these academic upgrades, academics, not the facility upgrades. And now you're barely going to be breaking even and Washington's leaving. The Apple Cup's dead. Apple Cup's fucking dead. Oregon, Oregon State, dead. All these fucking rivalries are dead because of college football realignment. And look, am I still going to watch the games? Yeah, I'm going to still watch the games. Am I going to bet the games? Yeah, I'm still going to bet the games. But the fact of the matter, I feel this isn't good for college football. I'm not one of those old timers. Oh, I'm not going to watch the games. No, I'm going to watch the games. I'm going to bet the games. I'm going to enjoy the games. But I feel there has to be a different alternative for what is going on. And then the college football playoff. Next year is supposed to be, what, a 12-team playoff? How are they going to do that now? Are you just going to go with the highest ranked 12 teams? Are the Power 5 going to get screwed? And then you mentioned the Power 5. You have SMU trying to get out and go to the ACC. You have Cal and Stanford. ACC schools are deeming aren't good enough to be in the ACC. This thing is an absolute, complete, and utter fucking train wreck. And the NCAA needs someone to come in and kind of sit back and kind of do some stuff. Maybe it it needs to become regional, but one thing has been shown 
No one cares about the West Coast. I hate to be, I, I love USC. I love UCLA. I love Arizona. But they're on so late and it's so East Coast bias with everything going on that no one really cares because everything's in the East Coast. And I hate, I said that. I fucking hate myself that I fucking said that, but that's the fucking truth. East Coast, it's a dominant in the sports world. And when you have these big schools on the West Coast, they're not getting the support from the East Coast. They're going to want to go East. And there's not going to be money-making opportunity because they are behind. You can't put an East Coast, a West Coast team at, at noon. They'll have to be in the 3.30 slot, that the game, the uh, the night slot. There needs to be an uh, there needs to be a solution. Unfortunately, you know what? I'm spent mentally. I'm spent. I don't have a solution. I've been digging in football for you guys. Jim and myself previewed the ACC last night on my YouTube channel. Make sure to check that out. I've been diving into the NFL. Sterling is going to be on the show previewing the AFC South with my boy Nick. We're going to be talking in the fantasy football spotlight. So I'm spent. Physically, mentally, I'm spent. I can't think of anything. But all I know right now is what is going on in college football isn't fucking right. It's wrong and it needs to be stopped. And we need to figure it out. That's my rant. Like I said, we have a great show for you to line up for you today. Let's jump right into it with us. Some CFL. We've reached a part of the podcast where we're talking some CFL and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend. XFL Jim, this time of the year, CFL Jim. Jim, how are you doing today, my man? Doing great, Eric. I had a pretty fun week last week. It was a good time for old Jim. Had a blast. Okay, I'm going to bet. I should have been <laughs> fucking perfect. Those goddamn Tiger Cats. Like, I'm here watching this game. They were dominating this game. And then... It was some of the most JV-level stupidity that I saw. The roughing the punter, not going for it. It's like, what are you doing? They were in total control of that game. How many times last year, Eric, did we see Hamilton just find ways to lose? They were dominating the game so much, I didn't think that was a possibility at that time. They gave up 24 straight points to lose 24-14 and not get a first first down in the in in the fourth quarter. It was disgusting how bad that was. It was absolutely brutal. Um you know, I had Calgary plus the 9, Hamilton plus the points, and Saskatchewan plus the points. I was 2 and 1 last week. Felt real confident. I should have been 3 and 0. Oh. Before we jump into the before we jump into everything, obviously, you know, we have our power rankings. We have to give out one through nine. Nine, no surprise. You probably both have the Elks, right? That's still the Elks. It's still the Elks. Didn't play last week. Didn't change. Eight. It's either Ottawa or Hamilton. I'm going to kind of put Hamilton right now with the situation. I put Hamilton out of spite. I'll put Hamilton too. I, that, I put a Hamilton, a spiteful eight. Seven, assuming you have Ottawa. I have Ottawa. Six. Saskatchewan. I have Saskatchewan, too. Five. It's still probably Montreal. See, I I have Montreal, Calgary. I've, like, scratched it out four or five times. They're, I'm just they're like, they're it. right there. They're right there. Yeah. So, they're four or five. Three. 
Man, what a shakeup in the top three yeah, this week. Was... I don't... <sighs> Probably Toronto right now? I see. I put BC. I can see that too. You know what? Yeah, let's put BC there. Because they, they at least had the head-to-head. Two, I put Winnipeg because Winnipeg did lose to Toronto. They did... Man, they dominated BC though. I guess it was it was uh, not a Vernon Adams BC, to be fair. So I mean, I think you know, mine is Toronto, Winnipeg, BC, Montreal, um, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Tiger Cats, Elks. I think we basically have the same. The same. We basically um, do have the same one. Now. The recording of this is coming out on Friday morning. We're actually going to do a video today. So the video is coming out on Thursday. So we're going to be able to talk about the Elks hosting Winnipeg. I'm looking online right now, and I am seeing a 12. Elks getting 12 over under 45. Whew. What say you, my friend? Call me a fool, Eric. Do it. Call me stupid. Call me a fool. Give me Edmonton plus seven first half. You know what? I like that. I like that. I think that's the way to go in this game. I think you have to fade Winnipeg, even though they're one of the better teams in the in the league after that beatdown of BC. You got the Elks at home, off the bye. I'm on Edmonton. Plus seven for the first half. And Jim is on Edmonton plus seven for the first half as well. That's a great bet, my friend. I'm also going to bet the over 45 in this game. Jim is betting the over 45 on the Elks and Edmonton. Next game, Friday night. We are looking at Saskatchewan against Montreal. Line currently is... I lost my lines. Here we go. Montreal laying five over under 44 and a half. What say you, my friend? I'm seeing a five and a half. And you know what? With the hook, I'm going to take Saskatchewan here. I get that we want to fade them after coming off of that win. But I think they're, I don't think they win, but I think they're good enough to cover the spread. They're, Mason, their quarterback, he looked pretty good. He looked decent. Yeah. He looked good. He looked good. And I'll tell you what, like, I just don't like this Montreal team. I like them well enough. I think they're a fine team, but I don't think, like, I think five and a half is too much. And one of the things I like doing when I bet is I like fading a team after they won a game, and I don't mean to be a dick, they shouldn't have won. This is also Cody Fajardo revenge game for Montreal and Saskatchewan. This is this is lover's quarrel. I'm going to take the Rough Riders plus the five and a half. That's, that's Damn right you are, dude. But, hey, you know what? Excuse my language. Excuse my language. Fuck Cordy Fajaro. Whoa, 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 whoa. I do whoa. like music. I'm sorry. He's done a lot for me. I, he's been a, I've been a, Cody, a, a I apologize, fan. Cody, I, I got caught up in the moment. I've been I a Fajardo fan. I like I like me some Cody. I got, I got caught up in the moment. My apologies. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pass this game. I'm going to use my pass. Not a bad idea. Next game. Calgary. Going to the BC Lions, 
Calgary getting six and a half over under 45 and a half. Now, am I crazy here? Am I crazy, Jimbo? To be laying the points with BC here and the bounce back? Um, Let's check out the status right here. It looks like Vernon Adams is back. But he's coming off a knee injury. We saw how much better they looked with Adams. That's undeniable. Mm-hmm. But coming back after a week off, off of a knee injury, that seems like a lot of points. It is a lot of points, but you're getting Calgary after they just beat Toronto. That too? I would leave. I'm, I'm staying away from the spread. Okay. I lean towards BC. I do I lean Vernon that. Adams coming back, and this team just dominates. I would lean towards BC. I might end up betting BC by the time Saturday rolls around, but right now it's just a lean. My thing I is, I will bet the over forty-five and a half. I don't care. I think this is going to be an offensive game. My thing is this: I felt last week. I felt there were some real good spots we could attack. It's hard. This we've seen this so week, many weeks. They say. It's like every other week in the CFL is like just brutal to find spots to go for. And I really think like right now the only like I'll be honest, the only spot to me that's jumping off the page is the Elks for the first half. And maybe BC for the game laying the points. If you can I'll get under BC. the seven. I'll take them. Because it's gonna probably get to seven. It will probably get to seven by Saturday. And for me, how I look at this, do you trust Montreal? Let's just take out the X's and O's and let's just answer these questions. Do you you trust Montreal yet to be winning with margin of more than three points? No. Depending on the team. If they were playing like the Elks, maybe. (laughs) Do you trust – and then you factor in – the um, the uh, Cordy Fajardo revenge spot. Well, not to yeah. mention, I think Saskatchewan could be. I mean, they just they lost the week prior to uh, Toronto, but they could be kind of like getting a little interesting. You know what I mean? Like, and then in terms of the Rough Riders. Do you trust Mason Fine? I, I'm a Mason Fine fan. I like Mason Fine. I trust him as much as... Uh, again, a lot of it comes down to how does the offensive line protect him. I don't know if I fully... Like, Montreal's defensive front is good, but I think Mason Fine will be good enough to keep it close. So, here's it. Okay, now let me ask you this. Looking at Mr. Mr. Fajard, Mr. Cody, Mr. Cody here, game log. All right. Uh, where are we at here? He's gone 
261, 291, 270, 297, 281, 158 against Calgary. Had 318 against Hamilton. No props are up yet. But let's say it's at like at 250, 260. Would you take that over? Uh, Saskatchewan's defense is pretty good. I don't think so. I like kind of betting unders in their games too. I don't. I, I think I accidentally said I'll bet the over in this game. I'm going to bet the under in that Montreal Rough Riders game. All right, so under 44 and a half. So you don't like the revenge spot then? Because like usually well, like I'm like we're just talking like NFL DFS. To me, it's always like just ball out. Yeah, it's, you play the revenge spot. You know, is this something we look to do in props and a prize pick? Maybe, but the whole thing with Fajardo, at least, is anytime they've played a good defense, his stats hasn't like haven't been crazy. And I do think Saskatchewan, for all their faults, does have a good defense. I like how we started talking about BC, that we went back to your boy Cody, dude. My bad. Uh, last game. Now, is there an injury with Toronto we don't know? Um, let's see. Let's see. No, he's been full practice. Potential ankle injury for Chad Kelly. So that's probably why the line is off. Um, he has been a full participant, though. I'm looking right now. Ottawa's getting on one book seven and a half over under a 44 and a half. What say you, my friend? Uh, I mean, it's tough. If, if Chad Kelly's 100%, I'm taking Toronto. Um, right now I would probably lean towards Ottawa, but man, I do not trust anything Ottawa shows at offense. Right now, I'll probably just bet the under. What would Crumb's rushing prop need to be for you to get involved? Last three games, 21 against Saskatchewan. 82 against Hamilton, 63 against Calgary, 103 against Winnipeg. He's definitely a running quarterback. Um, it all depends. Uh, 40? 40? Okay. So Anything under that I'm playing the over? Let's review this here. My bets for the week, I think I'm just going to go – I'm going to go Edmonton Elks plus seven for the first half. And I'm going to take Cody's passing yards over as long as it's not more than 275. I am going to go with you Edmonton Elks plus seven first half. I'm going to go with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders plus five and a half. I'm not going to touch the total in that game. Oh, sorry. Back Elks Bombers over 45. Okay. Rough Riders plus five and a half. I'm going to go BC minus the six. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to stand by my, my laurels. Yeah. I'm going to take BC minus the six. And I will go over 45 and a half in the Calgary BC game. And then, honestly, I really don't want to touch Ottawa, Toronto. Really don't want to touch it. If I touch yeah, anything, I, if I'm touching anything, I'm touching the under. What was that total again? 44 and a half. I'll bet the under. I'll take the under. Punter are people too. Punters are people too, Jimbo. Punters yep. are people too. 
Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on Talking Some CFL. Why don't you tell everyone where you can, they can find you on social media? You guys can find me everywhere at XFL Jim, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm all over. I got a lot going on, a lot cooking. Make sure to give my boy Jim a follow. Let's 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 cash some tickets, man. It's been a good been good year in the CFL. Let's keep it going, my man. Let's cash look, it, baby. I look forward to talking to you next week. Best of luck this week, my friend. Yes, sir. Guys, please give my boy Jim a follow at XFL Jim. Phenomenal guy. Him and I are gonna be doing our college football stuff. Make sure to check that out. Great dude knows his stuff. Also, Jim and I's show Spring Fever is sponsored by Royal Retros. If you're into old school gear. Visit Royal Retros. Use promo code SPRINGFEVER, all capitalized, all one word, for 10% off. Now let's shift our attention over to some fantasy football with our boy Nick, a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're going to be talking some fantasy football. And who better than come on than Nick, a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy. Nick, how are you doing today, my man? Great, Eric. How are you doing? Good, good, good. So last week, you know, we covered three teams. We did the, oh, my God, the Ravens, the Chargers. The Dolphins. This week, we are on to three teams. We are doing the Minnesota Vikings, the Jacksonville Jaguars, (laughs) and the New York Football Giants. So obviously, when we start with the – Jackson, sorry, with the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. He shocked people. He finished as QB7 last season, currently has an ADP of 105 and is quarterback 13. What are your thoughts on old Captain Kirk? Yeah, I mean, the rankings look like they're they're not high on him again, but I mean, you got to remember that Cousins has thrown at least 25 touchdowns in each of his last eight seasons and has gone over 4,000 yards passing in seven out of the last eight seasons. So, you know, he's got so many weapons, Addison, Hawkinson, Jefferson, Osborne, you know, if you miss out on any of these top quarterbacks and Cousins falls back in your lap, which he's currently at QB 13, I mean, (laughs) I think it's a steal. I mean, he's Mr. Consistency over the past, you know, eight seasons. And also what people need to remember is if you have Cousins, you technically have a piece of Justin Jefferson. That's absolutely correct. And, and TJ Hawkinson, Hawkinson you know, could be easily a top three tight end this year again. (laughs) Yeah. You're really high on TJ. You know, I'll make a great video package of you and TJ Hawkinson. Your love for him. (laughs) Moving on. Dalvin cook is no more and gone. That means Alexander Madison is going to be the lead running back. What are your thoughts on Madison? You know, I'm not that high on Madison. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about, you know, how he's never gone over 135 carries in his career. You know, how will he be towards the end of the season as an every down back, you know, the grind of the season, you know, plus the Vikings hired Curtis Modkins as their running back coach. And he's known for, you know, taking these under the radar running backs and making them into something. So the Vikings have used draft picks on running backs in back-to-back years. And it wouldn't shock me by the end of the season if Chandler or McBride, um, you know, are the lead running backs. You know, the other thing you have to think about is Dalvin Cook 
was struggling, was injured. Madison came in and looked good, but nobody ever vouched for Madison to become like the number one guy, you know, when Cook was struggling or injured a lot. So that kind of concerns me a lot. Another thing is Madison, this was my point with him last year. The running system that the 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 blocking system that the Vikings run, he's never done before until high. Never. Never. Yeah. No, not at high school, not at Boise State, not in the league. Did better than I thought. I think the, the offensive line took a ground grade. I'm out on Madison too. One of the bets I gave out on the Ethop 2 on Sports Show was Madison under 900 and a half yards rushing. I think he has a down year too. And I love Danny McBride from UAB, a blazer. I love me some blazer football. I think he could be <laughs> really good. In terms of the wide receiver room, Vikings have Addison, Osborne, Double J, Justin Jefferson. What are your thoughts on them? I mean, obviously, Jefferson is clearly the best wide receiver in football right now, so that's a no-brainer. Um, you know, I think Addison can fit into that Thielen role in the offense and be a great outlet for Cousins because, you know, everybody's eyes are going to be on Jefferson. So I think he could, um, you know, get up there and, and get his numbers. He's currently wide receiver 38, but Addison could easily find himself inside the top 30. Um and Osborne for me, he's a boomer bus guy. Uh, I really think he's like a DFS option um, in certain situations for me. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think Osborne is kind of Osborne. Excuse me, is kind of a week to week guy. So right now, hypothetically, if you have the top pick, who are you taking? Justin Jefferson. So in no world, you take Chase over him. I mean, I wouldn't say in no world, you know, there could be a situation that comes up right before the draft, you know, where it changes my mind. But right now, Jefferson. Yeah. In the tight end room, they have TJ Hawkinson, who finished as tight end two last season, currently has an ADP of 42 and is tight end three. Thoughts on the former Lion great TJ Hawkinson? As I said before, I like TJ Hawkinson. I have him ranked as tight end two in my rankings. Um, you know, but I'm someone who also waits on tight ends. So, you know, if you're someone that goes after tight ends early, then by all means, Hawk is in line for another great year. Um, you know, go after him, but you know, I like to wait on my tight ends. So, you know, and another, uh, one thing I also want to mention, you know, is I will be targeting teams that are playing against the Vikings this year in DFS because their secondary is insanely bad. Um, you know, but it also can work both ways and can be good to target Minnesota offensive players because these games could easily turn into shootouts. So take like a, I'm trying to think of a deep fly wide receiver. Um, let's say it's, I don't know when the Lions in Minnesota play off the top of my head, but we could like a low budget Jamison Williams partner him with a Justin Jefferson as wide receiver. That way you get both sides of the rock. Yeah, Williams after his suspension, after he comes back. Yeah, totally. Or maybe even do like a St. Brown and then a Kirk Cousins. Something like that. You know, we're not saying exactly. that. But, you know, just kind of something as an example. Next, we're going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We saw Trevor Lawrence take a huge step forward when he actually really received some coaching. 
last year. <laughs> yeah. Amazing what happened when, when these young players received coaching. He finished as quarterback A. This season has an ADP of 55 and his QBA. What are your thoughts on Mr. Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, bringing in Peterson last year was such a great move and set up Lawrence for success. Um, you know, Peterson did a great job of putting Lawrence in a position to be comfortable, and that offense the Jags are running is basically what he ran at Clemson. Uh, so, you know, I actually had Lawrence last year. I drafted him as my backup and ended up using him more as my starter for most starter. of the season. Yeah. So who, if you don't mind me asking. Who was my who actual, yeah. who was my starter? <laughs> Justin <Herbert>. Herbert. <laughs> but granted, Justin Herbert got injured, you know, early on in the season, had that rib issue. So, you know, and honestly, um, Lawrence was starting to, you know, outperform him for a while. So I was, I was using Lawrence more. Um, so, you know, and, and with the addition of Calvin Ridley this year, I mean, Lawrence is in line for another great year. I think he's going to be a top 10 finish for sure. Ooh. Ooh. I'm not down on him. Ooh. <laughs> now you got to the guy I think is the most overrated player in the NFL, Travis. <laughs> the season as running back 17, Currently ADP of 30 and RB15. What are your thoughts on TE, Mr. Travis Etienne? Uh, yeah, again, I had Etienne last year as well. <laughs> um, he was supposed to be the guy always in my starting lineup, and Lawrence was supposed to just be on my bench most of the time. But uh, Etienne you know, was, was up and down last year. I couldn't really 100% trust him from week to week as that RB1 guy, and his production dropped off you know, after the bye week, um, you know, it dropped off, you know, a clip after he had four games after the bye and when he scored under 10 points twice and then he scored under five per game or two of those games as well. So, you know, with the Jags drafting, what is it, Tank Tank Bigsby, you know, from Auburn, mm-hmm. you know, I think his production is going to drop even more. And I'm actually, you know, I'm not in on Etienne this year, to be honest. We, we saw him disappear in the Chiefs game. In the playoff games at Arrowhead. Paging yeah, Travis Paging Travis Etienne. He was nowhere <laughs> to be found in the second half. Yeah, he was bad. The, the analogy that I had was Reggie Bush. You need to treat this guy like Reggie Bush. No, seriously. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not a guy that can carry it over 20, 20, 20 25 times a game. No. no That's way. not him. You have an ex- someone that could be featured in the passing game. Give that guy, like, 10 carries. You know, it's just – <clears throat> it's it just mind-boggling to me why these guys think this guy that is built like an everyday down back when he's not. Wide receiver room. We have Calvin Ridley coming back from being suspended. What can we expect from Senior Ridley? Oh, I love Calvin Ridley this year. I mean, he's already looking awesome in training camp. Uh, I've been watching some of the tape. His route running is just... They, they did a comparison between him and Kirk running routes, and it was like... It was like watching like a top pro against a high school player. Like it was hilarious watching Kirk run a route and then watching Calvin Ridley just smoke his routes after him. Um, you know, I, I just I'm totally in on Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think he's gonna light it up this year as long as he doesn't bet on any NFL games. Now, um, 
I love I love that little dig there. I love that, Jared. <laughs> I, I love I love that. Um, now, moving on to Christian Kirk. Huge season last year. Finishes wide receiver 12. Scored 241.9 fantasy points with the addition of Ridley. How is this going to affect Christian Kirk? Yeah, I mean, great season last year, but you have to believe that Ridley's going to cut into Kirk's numbers tremendously this year. Um, you know, not to say that he can't still put up solid wide receiver two numbers. I mean, he obviously had that rapport with with uh, Lawrence, but you know, he his numbers are gonna are gonna go down for sure. Now, and plus, he's going to play the slot though, so he could get some better matchups. Um, he could, but I mean, you still you still got to think with Ridley there. He's he's his numbers are going to be down. Ridley has an ADP of 40, wide receiver 17. Kurt has an ADP of 75, wide receiver 30. Are we targeting either one of these guys? Yeah, I'm 100% targeting Ridley. I think he'll he'll outdo that wide receiver 17 number. Um, I'm keeping Kirk on my radar, though, as a target uh, because, you know, Ridley coming back after that layoff, not playing, you know, he could get injured. Kirk would have to come back into that spotlight and be that guy, which we know he can do. Um, you know, and if I were not to get Ridley, I would consider picking up Kirk as a wide receiver too, with kind of that handcuff mentality in case Ridley, you know, an injury happens with Ridley. I like it. I like it. Now, my man, the guy that my best call of the season last year, Evan Ingram was a breakout star in terms of fantasy finishing as tight end five right now is an ADP of 78 tight end eight. What are your thoughts on Mr. Evan Ingram? Yeah. Ingram finally woke up and did something last year. Uh, uh, but I'm not in on him <laughs> this year. <laughs> Sorry. He's uh, he's not in the contract year. The Jags drafted uh, strange from Penn state and, you know, adding Ridley Ingram's target shares are going to, decrease i'm not in on it was a magical year last year it was a magical it was, <laughs> it was. i'm not gonna lie but uh, that was it for him <laughs> now let's shift over to the new york giants daniel jones finishes qb9 currently has an adp of 108 and quarterback 14 are we targeting danny dimes i mean what an interesting team uh i'm not targeting daniel jones in standard leagues uh, you know, he only averaged 200 passing yards per game last year. I would target him in two QB leagues because, you know, he is a high end QB two in my opinion, and he'll always have that rushing upside with the offensive giants run. Um, he did clean up his turnovers last year, which was good. But one thing to note, he has the second hardest strength of schedule for quarterbacks this year. And he has to play the Eagles and Cowboys twice. And I've been watching the Eagles defensive line and they look scary. And Dallas, I mean, Dak Prescott has thrown like 12 interceptions against his own defense in, in training camp so far this year. So it's, not, it, it's Dak. I know it's not saying much, but their defense is still good. So, you know, no. and he's got a really hard strength schedule. Oh, I'm not in on no. Danny Dimes as my no. number one guy. Now, with Saquon Bar Barkley signing the contract, what can we expect from him? He's currently ADP of eight, running back three. What are your thoughts on Mr. Barkley? 
I mean, he finished second in overall touches last year, which was awesome. I mean, with him signing that one-year contract, I really think he's looking to make all the money he can this year, go after all his incentives, and really look to get a big contract for the future. I know that's kind of up in the air because of the, the this whole running back drama that's happened this year, but maybe it'll cool down a little bit next year and, you know, teams will start to rethink that and he might get a big contract if he impresses. So, you know, with the improvement of the offense and now with adding Darren Waller to the mix, I actually think it helps Barkley because the defense won't just be focusing solely on him and the backfield and Danny, Dan, Danny Dimes, you know, running the football as well. Um, you know, but one thing to note is that Barkley did average a full yard less running out of the shotgun than versus under center uh, plays under center. So, you know, but I'm still, I'm still in on Barkley though. I think he's going to have a solid year. Now their wide receiver room is insanely interesting to me. We have my boy, Isaiah Hodgins, ADP 243 wide receiver, 75 Wendell Robinson, ADP 260 wide receiver, 80. Kate was a rookie last year out of, out of Kentucky, really, because of injuries, he didn't do anything. So we don't know what we got with him. Darius Slayton, been around forever, but again, injuries. ADP 271, wide receiver 84. Jalen Hyatt, ADP 165, wide receiver 58. Jamison Crowder, no ADP. Paris Hilton, Paris Hilton, Jesus Christ. Paris Paris Hilton. Hilton. <laughs> ADP 241, wide receiver 80. Sterling Shepard currently has no ADP. Thoughts on any of, the, any of these fine young players? Hodgins, you know, as we talked about, as I mentioned, uh, he's a sleeper target. Um, you know, he's really developed a great rapport with Jones late last season. I believe that that will show up again. Um, Robinson, you know, he right now, you know, injuries are a concern. Uh, Slayton. Interesting, Slayton and Hyatt, if you look at the Giants depth chart right now, Slayton is the starter, Hyatt's the backup, or the second guy. But ADP and wide receiver rankings-wise, Hyatt is way ahead of Slayton. So something something's happening there. You know, they just haven't, maybe they haven't updated it or, or what, think- but, you know. I think it's going to be high. I mean, I think it's going to be high too. I mean, everybody thinks that the experts think it is, you know, yeah. you have to, you have to take notice at Hyatt's athletic ability. You know, he's yeah. already killing it in training camp. He had the number one vertical at the combine. He has four, four speed. He's a little risky with his injury history from college. So proceed with caution with that. But I still think he's worth the risk because of his speed and just overall athletic ability. You know, these other guys, I'm not really – I'm not in on Crowder, no, Campbell, no, I think Campbell Sterling could be Shepard. I think Campbell could be interesting. Yeah. I think he's yeah. going to play the slot. I think that Hodges and Hyatt are going to be on the outside and Slane's going to be the fourth wide receiver, and I think that's how they're going to roll. Yeah. Um, We'll see. They did make it's a very big trade. They did acquire tight end Darren – Waller. I have an interesting take on Waller. Why don't you tell me your thing first? Well, currently he's ranked tight end five and ADP of 54. I am in on Darren Waller. Um, I, you know, he's already, Jones already loves him. 
and you know they're they've they've been saying that Waller has been pretty much unstoppable in training camp. Like he's just looking awesome. Uh, I'm I'm targeting Waller. But what do you, what do you think? That, well, this is my thing with Waller, and like like if this comes out wrong, I'm sorry, but it's something that my worry with him is injuries. Yeah, that's fair. That's my worry with him and recovering back from an injury. That that's that's my worry with him. Um, obviously, something happened with Las Vegas because he fell off a cliff. Hopefully, that doesn't transcend here in New York because New York really needs him. Obviously, another thing why I kind of – I'm going to be invested in Hodgins. I may even take a flyer on, on Hyatt, but I definitely want one of these wide receivers just because I feel with the Giants' schedule, four, only four home games in the first 11, they're going to be behind a lot, going to have to throw a lot. So I definitely want a piece of this Giants' receiving game. Hodgins, I think, is the way to go, man. Yeah. If you had to pick – if you had to pick, who do you think is going to lead him in wide in, in wide receiver catches? Oof, catches. Oh man, no, no, um, lead them overall in catches. Excuse me. Um, you know, I mean, uh, wow, that's a tough question. A tough I, I, I think, I mean, it could be close between. It actually could be close between Hodgins and Hyatt, mm-hmm. but it all depends on health. Mm-hmm. I think, could I think Waller Hyatt, hmm? could Waller lead him in catches? You know, I, I almost said that, but I'm just thinking, you know, he, you know, he is an injury concern and we just don't know how he's like in season, how he's going to fit into that offense. I still think he's going to excel. Um, I just don't know. I don't think he'll lead in catches, though. Yeah. He might lead in uh, receiving touchdowns. That's what I think. Okay. Okay. I think he's I think he's going to get a lot of red zone targets. Now, Nick, I'd like to thank you for coming on, talking a little fantasy football. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? You can find me at NAA Fantasy on X, not Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, thanks for coming on. Uh, next week, we are going to be doing the Dallas Cowboys, Buffalo Bills, and Cincinnati Bengals. Really looking forward to that. That's fun. Uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Then, uh, you know, we'll see you next week. All right. See you next week. Make sure you follow my boy Nick at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Nick and I are going to be doing some fantasy football contests during the regular season of the NFL. Make sure to check that out. Also, Nick is on my show every single Tuesday talking fantasy football in the fantasy football spotlight. Make sure to check that out. Now, let's talk some NASCAR. We've reached the part of the podcast. We're going to talk some NASCAR. Who better than come on than Brandon at BostonBoy83. Brandon, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good, my dude. Ready for another week, another weekend. You know, we didn't get the winner, but we had Jonesy over Dylan, so we're able to keep our head-to-head matchup alive. Unfortunately, looking at the head-to-head matchup board, the guys I wanted to fade are in matchups with other guys I wanted to fade are just aren't in matchups. So I think I'm going to be passing on the head-to-heads, go back to the old top 10, 
this week when they're at the Indy Road Course. Why don't you tell everyone how the Indy Road Course plays? Just like any road course. So it's we're back in this whole new era. It's not your road course. It's always been a road course. It's like the Daytona Road Course, the Roval at Charlotte, and now the Indy. So I wouldn't sit here and say, prepare for this to be different. But these guys have raced enough of these ovals that are now road courses. So it's just going to be like your typical road course race. Lean on the guys that are road course ringers. I do have a couple long shots here based off of how they've been driving recently. But, uh, yeah, nothing to really say about it, unfortunately. Just back at another road course. And SVG is back in the mix again, trying to go back to back. Now, you mentioned the road courses. We got here, then we have Watkins Glen, then the Daytona, then they're at Daytona. Yeah. And let's look at the NASCAR playoff standings real quick. So right now, we have, these are the guys that are, so I mean, Harvick is fifth, doesn't have a win. Kozlowski sitting at eighth, doesn't have a win. Wallace at 14th, doesn't have a win. Stenhouse, Stenhouse is in, he has a win. Gibbs so, right now would be in at 16. Let me, the guys that, go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just break it down, make you look at it just a little bit different. So Harvick, 16 drivers get in. Harvick is technically 12th in the playoff standings, but he's plus 180 above the cut line. No win. Brad, to your point, is 13th in the playoffs right now, 168 above the cut line. Both of those guys, safe. Um, Bubba, 58 points to the cut line, 15th. Not perfectly safe. Then you mentioned Gibbs, 16th. Last playoff spot. Only plus three to the cutoff line. And Not right. sure what you're looking at and if it breaks it down, but does it show below the cutoff line numbers? Right, right under here, we got McDowell three back. Yep. Um, Daniel Suarez five back. Yep. Dinger 26 back. Bowman 44 back. Cedric 30. Oh, sorry. 53. Three back. And we got your boy. 55 back. I wasn't so, a happy camper Sunday. Let's just let's just say that. You know, it's really interesting, you know, how these are going to change. But I mean, if you if the playoffs started right now, you have two guys historically that do well in Bowman and Elliott. And what team do they race for? Hendricks. And it, it, like Hendricks has been struggling, dude. They have. I read that stat you sent me the other day about the amount of laps led ever since something happened to Chase, and that was mind-boggling to read. I mean, they are absolutely struggling. Yeah, um, and it's it's like, and you kind of see RFK ascending right now, dude. They they the figured Do you look at Busher? Who would have thought Chris Busher would be two wins in a row? Yeah. And if any of you had Busher last week, major kudos. Make sure you comment it because 
anybody that would have picked him to win back to back is like somebody predicting the Browns to win the Super Bowl this year and they do it. Oh. Like I I actually gave that out. You know, the Browns at 35 to one to win the Super Bowl. So but anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm on the Browns this year. Like the team like my my Super Bowl future teams, you're gonna be absolutely amazed amazed by the futures I locked in for the Super Bowl. But we'll talk that off there. All right. Yeah. Um something's going on with Chevy right now. I, I don't want to take away from RFK's performance, what they're doing, phenomenal. But if you look over the last two months, it's been all Toyota and all Ford. And Chevy hasn't even been competing. They haven't been near, like, it came down to Truex and Busher by themselves, period. And Truex came on after the race saying, I hate this package. He was so much faster than Busher and ran him down. Once you get stuck behind a leader, the air is terrible with these cars, and he couldn't pass them. Could not get around him. When you watch a guy, like, we've watched racing for years, and if you watch a guy five-tenths of a second, a lot faster than the leader and then gets to the leader, he'd go right around him higher or low. Now it's just stalling out this car. So Truex opened his mouth a lot. I'm surprised NASCAR didn't do something about it, but he was not a happy camper. And also Brad's running good. That's yes. Like, like, I mean, let's, again, let's, not, Ford. Ford. Let's, not, let's not take away from Brad. Kozlowski. I think that's, was it three top fives in a row? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because what he finished, he finished fourth at Michigan, and he was running good too. I mean, like Brad was yeah. running good too. Uh, oh no, fourth at Michigan, sixth at Richmond, sixteenth at Pocono, fifth at New Hampshire, sixth at Atlanta, and he led a hundred and two, and he's leading laps too, man. I'm just going to throw this out. I'm just going to throw this out. Manufacturers. Who do you think is leading the manufacturers in points right now? Chevy, Toyota, or Ford? Ford. Dead last with only four wins. Who do you think second? Yeah. Who do you think second? Toyota. Yep, Toyota with seven wins. Chevy in first with 12 wins. so before I say this and we just get DM to life because of it, I am not one of those believers in conspiracies or this game's rigged or anything like that. But NASCAR has been known when a single manufacturer is performing drastically better than the rest. All of a sudden, another manufacturer has more speed. Chevy dominated the first half of this season. Larson, Larson, Lar- like dominated. And has 12 wins. And now all of a sudden, the last month and a half, it's been towed in Chevy. Little weird to me. Like, just uh, I know every team does its own research and finds things, but these cars are so identical that I don't know what they found that Chevy cannot find. This isn't F1 racing where Red Bull has all the money and dominates every week. This is NASCAR. It's weird to me. Let's start right after the All Star race. Okay. Let's start right after the All Star race. Blaney and a Ford, excuse me, run one at Charlotte. Yeah. At Gateway, Bush and a Chevy one. Yeah. At Safemark, Sonoma. Yeah. Truex and a Toyota. 
Nashville, Chastain in a Chevy. Yeah. The street race, SVG in a Chevy. Yeah. Quaker State, which is Atlanta. William Byron. Chevy. Chevy. Now the last couple. Um, New Hampshire. Should have been Al Morello if he didn't fucking crash, but it was Truex in a Toyota. Pocono. Hamlin in a Toyota. Richmond. Busher in a Ford. Michigan, Busher in a Ford. Yeah. So they haven't won since Atlanta. So interesting little stat there. Um, In terms of this race, look, I have four. I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't really find a head-to-head. You know, with this being a street race, no, sorry, with this being a road course, and you and I have pretty much a similar card, you know, we'll just kind of alternate. Why don't you – you kick us off with who's your first bet. If it's the same as one of mine that you start out with, I'll say I agree and I'll, I'll let I'll let you know everyone know why. All right, so I have five. I'm starting off with the guy that I said has to win to get in for weeks. Fell back even more. Number nine, Chase Elliott, seven fifty to one. Uh, he's raced here well before. He is a road course racer. He, the number nine, needs a win. Great at road courses. I have nothing else for you. Uh. I'm on him too. Chase Elliott plus 750. Seven road course wins in his last 26 races. Finished fifth in Sonoma this year. Last um last 10 road courses, eight top tens. Uh last two races here, 16th and fourth. Yep. Needs a win. He needs a win. And I don't know if you saw it. Someone posted this video of him all over the place in Daytona. And it was like, this is going to be Elliot blocking this weekend. You know, yeah. just all over the place blocking. Because the reality of the situation is, even though, look, does he do good at road courses? Does he good at good at Daytona? Yeah. But SVG run at Chicago. SVG is one of the favorites here. Dinger, you have um, Hamlin. You have Bell. You know, you have these good road courses that guys that could get a win and it could mess it up where Elliot's not in it. So he needs a win. He can't be effing around. He's going to be going balls out because I think he realizes since Daytona is such a crap shoot. Yep. He needs to win one of these two to guarantee it. So I'm on Elliot. If he doesn't win this week, I'm going to be on him next week. I'm going to take the plus 750. Mark my word right now. If SVG is remotely near him at the end of this race and it is for the win, SVG will be in the wall. Period. Really? Yeah. There's a, he just SVG outdid him at the Chicago street race because one, we talked about because it was shortened, but two chase couldn't get to him. There's no way you're going to let this man that is not competing for a championship, take two opportunities from you at two road courses. And, and Brandon and I were talking about this off air. We didn't talk about it on air. Um, and we'll talk about it right now. You mentioned SVG. He opened up at 20 to one. He's been bet down to six to one. I really think, now this is my concept, what do you think? My statement is he wouldn't have won Chicago if the race wasn't shortened. No, because Bell, who was dominating that race, was on a completely different pit strategy. All these guys pitted, SVG, all of them, for whatever reason, their strategy, fine, and then find out the race is shortened, and now these other guys still have to pit at some point and it screwed them because yeah. then they pit and they're all behind SVG. Now, granted, the guy, 
The guy drove the wheels off of it. Came the guy ran like a bandit. We're not taking that away, but no. Bell but if it was not shortened, he Bell was dominating that race. Bell was, was absolutely not. dominating that race. If that race wasn't shortened, SVG would not have won Chicago. Nope. Now uh, on to the next. You probably I wouldn't be surprised if you had the same one. I got Bell. 10 to 1, dominated the street race, didn't win, good at road courses. The kid can wheel any car. I like Bell at 10 to 1. I do not have Bell on my card. This is the thing. Like, I was, I looked at Chris Bell, but I'm pulling up Chris Bell, and I call him Chris Bell. You know, I don't, I don't like calling adults Christopher. Maybe, maybe that's just me, but so I'm looking at Chris Bell race results. Okay. He, when was the last time he had a top five finish? Oh, geez. He's got one win, five top fives, 11 top tens. When was the last time Christopher Bell had a top five? Without Googling, dude, I hear your keyboard, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> the last time he won was Bristol. The last time he had a top five was Bristol Dirt. Seriously? Uh, Richmond, he finished fourth. He won Bristol. Then after that, 6, 16, 8, 6, 36, 14, 12, 24, 11, 9, 7, 8, 23, 29, 6, 2013. I mean, dude, that's I'm, like, look, dude, I respect your game and everything, but that's just something that really stood out to me. I got you. You know what I mean? Like, I when you kind of sit back and say, shit, dude, this guy's ahead of top five since fucking spring. You know, I'm going like, Christopher Bell 10 to 1. <laughs> Christopher Bell 10 to 1. My next one. Can't um, crap on this bet. Oh, dude, you know what? You can crap on it all you want because you know what? I'm I'm swinging for the fucking fences in this one. Not really. Um, I'm going Austin Sendrick, 28 to 1. When you look at his races here at Indy, he finished ninth. And second, two races here, yeah. two top tens. I know that has he struggled, has he struggled this year with road courses? Yes. He's but, struggled all year in general. But since 2020, he has the 10th best average finish at road courses. You look how he did last year in road courses so we're going to go back to the 2022 year boom eight five seven two 13 very good last year at road courses he won this course in an xfinity race so one in xfinity two top tens in the nascar nascar ride here Historically did well last year. Another guy that needs a win. I know he sucked ass this year, but when I look at how he's done at the road course here at Indy, 
I got to take him at 28 to one. I, I, I like it. I can't steer away from it. I'm not betting him just because I don't have trust in him right now. But stats are stats. He's good at this track and multiple cars. I will, I will be respectful and not crap over your bet because I wouldn't do that to somebody. I don't know about you. But, and I mean, like, look at, I'm looking, let's look at this year. Oh, and he, and he had two top tens. He had a top ten in a street race at Chicago, a top ten in a road race at uh, Coda. Yeah, every I other mean, place, like every other one, like look, Michigan 12, uh, worldwide technology raceway 13. Everything hey, else is in the 20s. I know. So, if you guys want to lean on Eric and take his advice and grab somebody that's only had two top tens all year, I, I would absolutely do that in a no. road course, though. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. He's a he's a ringer. He's a road course ringer. He doesn't have like all the wins and stuff that Chase and Dinger and all them have. But to your point, if you are looking for a Hail Mary here at 25, 28 to 1, I'm all in on it with you. I, I like it. I think we both have this next guy, AJ Allmendinger. The yeah. actual road course ringer, period, 16 to 1. Grab him before qualifying, please, because that will absolutely change if he qualifies well. The man can drive any road course, any car that you put him in. He's the dinger. The and dinger I mean, ringer. You look at – I'm on him, too. I got him 16 to 1. Yeah. One here, and he finished seventh. Yeah. Uh, last five road courses, six – 34, four, second, seven. So four out of five top tens. Um, one of the better road course drivers. And I usually don't watch sports with sound. I'm a little bit of a psychopath. But I have been watching NASCAR with sound. And I don't know who the announcer was, but they made a statement that they said that talking to Digger and his crew, they always want to, they know that their best shot to get in the championship is the next two races. And they're trying to peak for those. So it kind of like the statement kind of made it sound like, Hey, we're here. You know what? We're going to try. If we don't win, it's the next, it's not the end of the world. It's the next two. We're going to go balls to the wall and put our driver in the best position to win. Yeah. You know, just kind of get the car okay, no major crashes, you know, move on to the next one. You know what I'm saying? Like it that statement kind of resonated um with me. So I like the dinger here, you know, and I agree. 16 to 1. He opened up at 20. So money's starting to come in, and you're right. After qualifying, stuff will probably go down. Uh I have one more left. How about you? Two. All right. Next one. I'm gonna hit Ty Gibbs at 40 to 1. The man's just been running well. And I'm kind of doing what I did with Busher two weeks ago. I'm just seeing consistent racing, aggressiveness, moving forward. He's a rookie, and he just continues every week to impress. He is fast at Michigan. Like, I'm just seeing that trend. And so far in this car, those guys that have been doing that grab a win. I like Ty Gibbs. I wouldn't be surprised. I have no clue. But there, I wouldn't be surprised if he's running in the Xfinity race on Saturday. So he'll get some track time there. But I like him sitting at 40 to 1. That's my mid-long shot. I have one more long. But my mid-long shot, uh, Ty Gibbs at 40 to 1. 
I like that one. My last one, we have the same long shot, um, but I'm playing him differently. I'm taking Justin Haley, top 10, plus 360. Second at Chicago, fifth at Charlotte, eighth here, last in 2021. Good driver, a little bit under the radar. Um, he was in a position to win. To win now, now obviously, you know people are going to say, well, if you made that statement about SVG, you have to make the statement about Haley, and I agree. If Haley was in that position in Chicago because of the shortened race, Correct. if the race wasn't shortened, Dowdy would have Dowdy would have been that good of a finish. But he had has had success here in the previous. He has been a successful road course driver earlier in the season. Was fifth at Charlotte. I'll take a flyer at Haley at plus 360 just for a top 10. All right. So you have him for the top 10. I got him at 100 to 1 to win the race. That is my – you talk about a Hail Mary. I'm sending it deep, deep, fourth and 40 right now. 100 to 1, Justin Haley to win the race. And all it takes is to get yourself in that position. Just get there. Get there. And he was there in Chicago. We watched last week Eric Jones running third and second for a good 50 laps who was sitting at 200 to one, just get there. The possibility is there. I'm really liking a lot of these long shots because when something does happen to these expected guys to win, somebody has to be sitting in that spot. And it's normally a guy like a Justin Haley. Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on. I wish you nothing but the best this week. Why don't you tell everyone when your next race is on? The rig and uh, where they can find you on follow you on social media. Boston boy 83 Instagram, Twitch, Twitter. We finished six last night after qualifying third. I uh, got put a lap down on some strategy, came back, was 14th with a green white checkered, ended six. Almost in the top 25 in points. Granted, everybody's raced 12 races. I've only raced four. Need to get a win. We've got uh, Kentucky next Wednesday at nine and then Daytona the following Wednesday at nine. Need a win again. I'm kind of in that Chase Elliott thing. I'll be in the top 25. I just got to get a win. So win excited about Kentucky. Um, but yeah, things are looking up. We've raced four races. I've been wrecked out of one. Got a, a top five and two top tens. And uh, I will end with this. We bet Dinger and we also have Gibbs at a long shot. They're both in the entry list to run Saturday. So both of those Gibbs and Almondinger are going to get time in that the other cup drivers don't. So which is gonna which is gonna benefit them. Brandon, let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Yes, sir. We will talk next week, my friend. Good luck, everybody. That's it for the show, guys and girls. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. I love the support. Big things are happening, especially with football around the corner. Make sure to check out the ETOF 21 Sports Show this Tuesday. Sterling from Silver Star Sports. Him and I are going to be talking some AFC South. And the Big Ten preview will be next week. Appreciate you guys. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, boys and girls.